Praise God. I want to pray this morning uh, as, we, as we get into this. Um, you know, I want to pray for two things this morning. Uh, one, uh, the Word of God is, as we get into it, that the Lord would teach us uh, this morning that we would walk out of here different, uh, that He would minister to our lives because we, we all need God's help. That's why we're here. We're here to worship Him, but we need His help in our lives. Uh, so I believe that's going to transpire and take place today. But we also want to pray for Ukraine. We all understand what's going on. We understand what's going on there, and, you know, there's power in prayer. So as the body of Christ, you know, God's going to move. So if you would with me, let's bow our heads and let's pray and let's agree uh, together. Amen. Father, we're so grateful this morning, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, God. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, oh God. And, Father, we know that the wonder-working power that you've done in our lives, you desire to do with others as well, Father. So I pray today that you would teach us that our hearts be soft to receive your word with truth, with, gl with gladness, God, that we would walk out of here different, God. Change, Father God. And I just pray that you would have your way. And also, Lord, this morning we pray uh, for Ukraine, God. We pray for the president there of Ukraine, God, for wisdom in his life in the coming days, God. We pray for wisdom, strength, and courage for the, the soldiers there protecting Ukraine. We pray for the civilians, oh God, uh, for those displaced families, my God, that you would just be there for them, that you would help them, God. We pray for those seeking shelter uh, this morning, God, that you would give them clarity and wisdom, Father God, and protection, Lord. Uh, Father God, we pray for uh, everyone there in that, in that nation, Father God, that they would uh, call out to you, God, that they would seek you, that they would know your name, Father God, that you would help them, oh God. And I pray for the believers there in Ukraine, my God, that you would use them in this pivotal moment, in this pivotal hour, my God, to minister to, to, the, to the needs of others, to share their faith, God, and their hope, oh God. And Father God, we just pray for all the efforts going, all the finances, all the, the, the missionary efforts, God. Just pray for your anointing, your provision, and strength, Father God. And we just thank you, Lord, because you are a God of victory, God, and we proclaim proclaim that. We declare that this morning, God, over that country, Father God. Have your way, Father. Have your way in Jesus' name, and we all agree. We all say amen. Thank you, Jesus. God is good this morning. Praise God. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles uh, to the book of Joshua, chapter 7. I thank God for his word. I thank God for the power of his word that, that changes our lives, that uh, that leads us, that directs us. You know, God's word is so amazing and powerful. It's full of promises for our lives, filled with promises, things we could hold on to. It's filled with lessons for our lives, things we can learn from. It's filled with stories and illustrations. It helps us understand the, the loving, uh, our loving Father and his desire to have a relationship with you and I. Isn't that good news this morning? You may not have heard that, but I declare that to you is that God desires to have a relationship with you personally. Perhaps you're, you're watching online or you've come in here and, and, and you feel lost. You feel that you're without hope. God desires to have a relationship with you. Amen. That's why the rest of us are joyous and, and, and singing and praising God. Why? Because we have a relationship with our loving Father. Amen. We thank God for what he's doing in our life. And the good news is he's no respecter of persons. If he did it for me, if he did it for us, he could do it for you this morning. Amen. He has a desire for a relationship with us. It's full of stories that help us understand about our past and where that fits in our lives. And how our past can either make or break our future based on our response. You know, 
C.S. Lewis said this. He's, I have a quote here. He says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Isn't that true this morning? You can't go back to the beginning. You can't change anything in the past, but you can learn from it, and you can start where you are and change the ending. So let me set up the scene here as we're going to read here in just a moment out of Joshua chapter 7. But I just want to summarize here about the first chapters of Joshua. We understand Moses and how great of a leader he was. He led the people of Israel out of Egypt. He led them through the wilderness. God did such miracles through Moses. But Moses' life came to an end and the children of Israel had not yet passed into the promised land. They've not yet entered what was rightfully theirs. So in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord tells Joshua that Moses, my servant, is dead. So he gives Joshua a charge to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, right? He said, be strong and courageous. We, we remember that, that message. In chapter 2, we see that the spies are sent out into the land to there in Jericho. We understand the story, how Rahab hid the spies to protect them. We understand there in chapter 2 that that happened. That was in Jericho. In chapter 3, Israel crossed the River Jordan into the promised land. And God did a miracle here. He stopped the River Jordan from flowing, and they miraculously crossed through on dry land through the Jordan. That's chapter 3. Chapter 4, they enter the promised land, and they worship the Lord. Chapter 5, Israel reestablishes <clears throat> excuse me, the covenant, and all, all males... All males in the nation there were circumcised. So that was a glorious and a painful day. Can you say amen? Chapter 5. Chapter 6. We see the fall of Jericho. Powerful. Remember the powerful story where the Lord tells him, march around Jericho for six days. On the seventh day, blow your trumpets, your horns, and the walls will fall. We see that miracle that transpired in chapter 6. So all that's transpiring here with the children of Israel is progress. They're moving forward. They've entered the promised land. Everything is going great. They're being obedient to God. They're doing what God's called them to do. Everything is going great. But something tragic happens in, verse, in chapter 7. And we're going to read that. That's, it stops Israel in their tracks. Joshua 7, chapter 7, verse 1. The Bible says this. It says, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. So a man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was a son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of his men, and here's what transpired and how this was manifested. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. In verse 4, so approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. 
I want to preach a message entitled Lessons from AI. Now, AI was a city in the, in the area of the modern-day West Bank. It was about two miles east of Bethel, another biblical city. And this was a second battle that the children of Israel faced. And, the, and things went so well in the first battle, I think that they were confident that in the second battle, things would go the same way. See, God was moving yesterday in their lives. He was moving before. He gave them victory yesterday. He gave them victory in Jericho. They witnessed it with their very eyes. But here comes just the second battle, and what happened? Everything changed. Again, they were making progress. They were victorious. They were pumped up. They were, they were set to receive all that God had for them, the land that he promised them, and they were set to go be victorious. But something tragic happened. Have we ever felt like that? Has, have things been going great for you? You've been victorious, perhaps uh, in ministry, or perhaps at your job, or at school, or in your family, or in relationships, right? One day, everything is going great, but come the next day, everything just tragically comes to an abrupt stop. We've been there before, right? Your day is ruined because a situation just comes out of left field, and this is where the children of Israel were at as we're reading this. See, we see there in verse 1, it says in chapter 7, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. See, believer, we have to be careful how we live. We have to be careful what we involve ourselves with. We have to be careful what we allow into our homes, allow into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirits. We have to be careful. The Bible uh, urges us to be careful in this life as we're serving him. In Ephesians 5.15, the Bible says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Be careful how you live. Can you look at your life this morning and say, yes, I'm being careful. I'm watching where I go, what I do. I'm watching what I say. I'm watching what I do so that I can be a good testimony for our Lord Jesus Christ, so that I could be a light in this dark world, so that I can win others to Jesus Christ. Am I being careful with what I am involving myself in? Because sometimes, if we're honest, this can be an area where we get lax in where that care and concern about being careful about what you say and do and, and how you walk. Sometimes that can go out the window just because you feel a certain way a certain day because things aren't going your way, so you throw all caution to the wind and you, you just throw your hands up. But the Bible says here, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. The King James Version says, walk circumspectly. It says, walk accurately. Do all that you can in this life to live right according to God's word. Now, I know we'll never be perfect. I know we'll never achieve perfection until we're in heaven, but we can sure try, can't we? Right? God wants us to try to, to, try to walk upright, to try to walk in holiness, and we thank God for his grace and his mercy. We have the blood of Jesus Christ there. When we sin, we have the altar here to make things right. It's there for us, but we should strive to live righteously. We've heard the term, there's sin in the camp, right? And that's where this transpires from. Israel was victorious. They just saw something 
So powerful. God do something powerful there in Jericho. Miraculous. They marched around the city six times, and on the seventh time, they blew the trumpets, and, and God destroyed the walls. The walls fell because they did it in obedience. They were righteous. They were walking in, in, in obedience to God. But because sin entered the camp, they were defeated, and they were running for their very lives. See, church, God's called you and I to live in victory in our lives. He's called us to walk in victory. He's called us to achieve victory in the different situations that we encounter in our lives. He's called us to victory, but we can never make the mistake of resting on yesterday's victories. Isn't that true? We can never make that mistake. We thank God for the victories that he gave us yesterday, but what about today? What are we doing today? In the same way that we can't let the past mistakes bury us, we can't let the past victories just keep us where we are. We have to continue to look and move forward. We can't afford to look lightly on sin. You see this man Achan here, he coveted what was not his. God gave him clear instruction. Go and destroy the city, everything that's there. Don't take anything for yourself. But Achan, he coveted. He was lusting after these material things, and he, it, it drove him into disobedience. And what did it do? It cost him his life. It cost him the life of his family. It cost the, the victory of his nation. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Now, I thank God that we all came to church this morning. I thank God that we woke up and we made a decision, and it was a blessed decision that you made to come today. But how many know that it's not just church attendance that gets us into the kingdom of God? Is that right? Right? We need to come to church, but we do it. Why? Because we, we're living in faith, because we're being obedient to God. Why? Because we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We've repented from our sins. Jesus is the one that gets us into heaven. Now, after we've done that, after we've accepted him and we've repented of our sins, then we do these good works as the Bible teaches us about. We come to church, right? We, we be a good testimony. We, we give and, and we continue to give, but it starts with having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Examine yourselves, the Bible says, to see whether you are in the faith. You look good this morning. You smell good. You're dressed nice. Everything is in the right place. You look great, and I thank God for that. I believe that you are in right standing, but only you can answer that question. It's an issue of the heart, church. Achan was a part of the nation of Israel. They were victorious. He was doing God's work, but he let sin creep into his heart. You know, you can gauge the position of your heart by the things that you approve in your life the things that I approve of in my life. Words may say one thing, but what are you chasing after? What do we allow into our lives? What are the things that we approve of in our lives? What do we let into our hearts, our minds, our homes? What do we allow in? What do you approve of on social media? If there's a questionable post or a sinful post, are we going to see your name right there liked by so-and-so? Let's be real this morning. Some people want to be popular. They want to be liked. So they'll like whatever 
they can to make them feel part of something. God's called us to be different, right? He's called us to be a light in this dark world. Does your social media feed declare that you're a Christian? Let me ask that. Does you, do your posts, do, do the things that you like paint a clear picture that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? You're a Christian. Or does it raise question? Oh, I thought they were Christian, but they're liking this. They're following this. They're reposting this. They're retweeting this. We have to be examples, church. There's not much time left. We have to win the world for Jesus. Can others look at our lives and our behavior and say, yes, they're believers? Are we careful with how we live? See, Achan, he thought no one was going to see. He sought to bless himself. See, there's something about being patient and waiting for God, right? Take some faith. You know you have something coming to you. You know you're trusting in God for something great. Church, let, let us never be hasty and step into sin and step, step into presumption to, to, to get what God doesn't want us to have right now, but wait on him. There's a blessing in patiently waiting for God. There have been many who've sacrificed what God's given them for the pleasures of this world. 1 Timothy 6.10, the Bible says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith. Get that. At one time they were chasing Jesus, they were following Jesus, but they've wandered from the true faith, and they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. We've seen it, you've seen it. God's called us to live for him. So we have to take heed. Take heed to the conviction that God brings. You know, we come into the house of God and we thank God for his word, right? We come into God's house, his spirit ministers to us. It encourages us, he helps us, he leads us, he exposes things in our lives that we need to correct. And thank you, Jesus, we have an altar. We can come up here, we make it right. He forgives us and he sends us on our way in victory. Thank you, Jesus, with no shame. With no regret, he just, he sends us on our way. He's forgiven you, and he takes, what does the Bible say? He takes your sin, he casts it into the deepest sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. Isn't that good news this morning? I'm sure glad that the Lord loved me enough to decide to do that. See, he could remember all things at all times, but he chooses not to because he loves you. Why? Because you brought it to Jesus, you asked for forgiveness, and he's taken it, and he's thrown it away, and he said, go and sin no more. That's good news this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. So we have to take heed. Secondly, there was a righteous response here from Joshua as we, as we continue in this story. See, now with this issue that transpired, we see there in, in Joshua 7 that the Lord knew about it, and he exposed it, okay? So there are two things that could be done, and that's how it is when we come to church. There's two things we could do. We could go on as if nothing happened and, and just kind of, act like we didn't hear it or we didn't feel that conviction? Or secondly, and I pray that this is our response, that there's a righteous response of repentance. See, repentance, church, it's not just for the unbeliever, right? That's why we come to church. Brother and sister, we need to repent of things each and every day. We make mistakes. We say things that we shouldn't say. We think things that we shouldn't say or do. But the altar is here where we can make it right. So we could either continue to go on as if nothing happened, holding on to our sin and the way things have been going, 
Or secondly, as we see here what the people of God did, we could repent and seek God. So there's a righteous response here as we're seeing. We're talking about lessons learned from Ai here. So Joshua chapter 7 verse 6, the Bible says this, Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay. They threw dust on their heads. And this was a response to the Lord telling them that there's sin in the camp. They threw dust on their heads and they bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Man, they sound sorry. They sound like they're repenting. Verse 7, then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us, they'll wipe our name off the face of the earth, and then what will happen to the honor of your great name? Joshua was repenting on behalf of his nation, of his people, of God's people. He sought the Lord. God brought his word. He exposed what was going on, and Joshua's response was to repent. We go back in seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these de dedicated things so that the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. So Joshua... He didn't act like he didn't hear it, but he responded to the conviction. He responded to the word of the Lord. And church, that's what we need to do. Every time the word of the Lord comes forth and we're ministered to, respond to it. Respond to it. Let it set into our hearts. Never get to a place to where we don't respond anymore. That's why we're here. Respond to it. The Lord brings conviction. Respond to it. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I repent of this. God, change me. Help me. Help me to go on. Help me to reflect you. As a Christian, Lord, as, as your son, as your daughter, help me to do better. God will forgive you. He'll bless you. He'll prosper you. He'll meet your need. Joshua and the elders, they tore their clothing in dismay. They were so sorry for the sin that transpired. God's a forgiving God, church. Perhaps it's your first time here. Perhaps you've... you've not heard much about the gospel, I have good news for you this morning. God is a forgiving God. Perhaps you've walked in here with shame and regret and hurt from the past. You've walked in here with problems and situations that you no longer can handle. I have good news for you. God is a forgiving God. God is ready to receive you. He's ready to help you. He's ready to strengthen you. He's ready to take your burden and send you on your way to serve him freely with liberty and peace. He's forgiving. But church, we have to approach him. You have to approach him. You have to ask him. And what happens when we ask? And parents, you could relate to me in this place, right? When, you're, when your kids mess up or they, they do something wrong and, you know, you have to come down, you have to discipline them in whatever way. You have to discipline them. You have to teach them the right way. Right, what happens when they just become stubborn and they just hold on to their stubborn ways, right? You, you begin to take this away and that away. You put them on timeout. You discipline them. You come down on them. Why? Because you love them. Not because it brings you pleasure, but because you want to see them live right. 
But what happens when they say, Daddy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about this, right? Doesn't it just melt your heart? It wins you back over, and that's the way it is with the Lord. Second Chronicles 7.14, the Bible says, and if my, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Amen. Doesn't that sound good this morning? You want restoration in your land? You want restoration in your life? Then approach the Lord. Come to him. Humble yourselves. Pray and seek his face. That's what wins his heart. Can I say? That's what melts his heart. That melts his heart. As his children, we come to him and say, Father, I've sinned. Forgive me. Help me. It's beautiful. And we do that because Jesus died for us. We have the blood of Jesus. We could approach God. Isaiah 1.18, listen to this, showing the heart of God. Isaiah 1.18, come now, let's settle this. This is the Lord talking. Let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. You feel that your life is stained with your sin. You feel that your life is just destroyed because of the past mistakes that you made, the, the bad decision that, decisions that you made. The Lord here is saying, come, let's, let's settle this. Let's reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. That's the wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus Christ that no matter what you've done, if you come to the Lord with a heart of repentance, he can forgive you. He can change you. He can forget about that sin. He could restore you. He could heal your land. You just have to approach him. You just have to come to him. See, we could encourage you all you want. Your, your mom, your dad, or your family, your parents could encourage you and, and show you the way, but only you can make that step. Individually. See, after the first defeat, Israel sought God. They responded quickly. Right? They didn't let a second, a third, fourth, fifth, sixth battle go by. They responded quickly. That's what we should do. When the conviction comes, when God corrects us about something, respond and say, Lord, I'm sorry, and seek him, and we'll be blessed. We have to take an account of our lives Joshua chose the correct path, and he sought God, and he dealt with the sin in his life and in his nation. And a reference for that, if you're taking notes, Joshua 7, 24 through 26. They dealt with that sin. They didn't leave it unchecked. They dealt with it. And church, that's how it should be with us. If there's sin in our lives, if there's issues going on, let's deal with it. One, make an altar call, but if there are any things in your life that you need to change, change them. Take those steps. That's where restoration is going to come for you. That's where healing is going to come for your life when you start making those steps and you make the, the change. So we see immediately at the end of chapter 7, Israel decided that they're going to blot out the sin, that they're going to take care of it, that they're going to annihilate it from their presence. And look, by God's grace, as we jump into Joshua chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai. 
For I've given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you've destroyed Jericho and its king. But this time you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the town. Isn't that God's grace? God could have banished them. He could have told them, you're done. You messed up one time. Forget it. You're done. But by God's grace, God still had a plan. You may have failed. You may have made a tragic mistake in your life, perhaps. You may feel defeated in this place this morning. I have good news for you. God's gracious. He's a forgiving God. He's a God of second chances. He's here to receive you. He's here to welcome you back as, your, as your, his son and daughter. Man, remember the story of the prodigal son, right? He went out with riotous living. He spent all of his inheritance he forgot about everything that he was taught, and he was just out there living crazy. But what happened? While he was afar off, while he was coming back, he came to his senses and said, I have to go back to my father's house. As he was afar off, what happens? The father runs out to him. He's joyous. He runs out to chase. He runs out to him to, to welcome him. That's the character of God. When God sees you approaching him, when God, when God sees you making a right decision to come back to him, he's rejoicing. He wants to throw a banquet. He wants to throw a party on your behalf. Why? Because his son and daughter has returned. Thank you, Jesus. It's good news this morning. God's here for you. God's grace is here for you. His forgiveness is here for you. I know I'm speaking to someone this morning. So the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid or discouraged. And can I say something here uh, just for a minute? I just want to interject that, that God, God knew Joshua. See, we read about Joshua, we read about his, his exploits, how God used him powerfully. But imagine the inner turmoil that was going on. I and mean, he was just entrusted with the nation of Israel to lead them into the promised land. And on multiple occasions, God told him, don't be afraid or discouraged, only be courageous. I think Joshua was probably struggling with, with fear discouragement he was in this new position and he was he was probably asking himself questions am i the right guy for this job god did you choose the right guy am i the right person but god continually reassured him be strong and courageous don't be afraid or discouraged see god knows us god knows what you're going through god knows how you're feeling and his word is here to encourage you to strengthen you Multiple times God told him, don't be afraid or discouraged. We read, and in, in, if you're taking notes, in Joshua 1, 6 through 9, that scripture just loaded with that phrase, strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. God knew Joshua. See, fear, and he, I believe he told him this because fear and discouragement is such an effective tool in Satan's arsenal in the lives of God's people. Fear and discouragement. Fear to keep you away from what God wants to do in your life. Fear from keeping you from taking a step forward. Fear to paralyze you so that you don't progress in your life because perhaps you can't see your life in any other way than it is, than it is currently. I got news for you. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan of change, of righteousness, of redemption for your life. If you don't see it, God sees it for you. See, fear and discouragement, man, the enemy uses it. He also uses discouragement. Why? To hold us back. 
to be discouraged, that we have no courage to step forward, to, to, to go on because of the, the, the past failures, the past hurts. We've all been hurt in this place. See, and if we're discouraged, we're going to say, what's the use, man? Discouraged. I don't want to go on anymore. I don't want to be hurt again. Perhaps it's areas at your job or school or, or in your family, relationships. You're discouraged. You've tried. You've tried to mend things. Continue to try in love. That's what the Lord did for us. Perhaps it's, it's ministry. Perhaps you've experienced something in ministry and now you're discouraged and, and, and you have an attitude where I'm just not going to try anymore. What's the use? Well, I tell you that God was using your life powerfully in that ministry and if for whatever reason you've decided to take a step out because you're discouraged, believer, brother and sister, take courage, take that step to get back into place where God's called you to be. Don't be discouraged because as we're living in discouragement, we're right where the enemy wants us to be. You may have been hurt. God understands. But go forward. He's with you. He is with you. He's there to fight your battles. Now, as we look here in Joshua 8, 1 and 2, as we wind this down, I love the verbiage here in this passage, Joshua 8, 1 and 2. We see how the Lord speaks to Joshua. He says, take your fighting man and attack Ai. Listen to this, how direct God is. He says, I've given you the king of Ai. He speaks matter-of-factly. The battle hadn't yet taken place. God hadn't even given him the strategy yet, but he says, I've given you the king. It's already yours. Isn't that how it is in the spiritual, brother and sister? That God's given us promises, and so many times, and, and, and starting with me, so many times we can go back and forth between this position and that position, and, and, and we let fear and doubt grip our hearts, but God says, I've given you the king. It's yours. You've been believing me for that healing. Your healing's there. I've given you that healing. You've been believing me for provision. Your needs are provided for. You've been believing God for a new position there at your job. I've given it to you. See, God spoke matter of fact. I've given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroy Jericho. There's another statement of truth. God is speaking truth into Joshua's life. I've given you the king and you will destroy them as you destroy Jericho. But this time you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Wow, that is good news right there. God says, I've given you, you will destroy, you may keep the plunder. Believer, this speaks to our attitude and the way that we talk. See, God's word is full of promises that we could declare over our lives. If you're here and you're in need of healing, begin to speak that you already have that healing in Jesus' name. God, thank you for healing me, God. I know it's still going to manifest, Lord, but thank you for healing me. Perhaps you have a financial need. God, thank you for, for meeting my need, Lord. I thank you for providing. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Begin to pray as the Lord spoke here to Joshua in Joshua 8. With God, there's no question or hesitancy. God knew his plan for Joshua. In Romans 4.17, the Bible says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Before him who he believed, God who quickened the dead, listen to this, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. 
and calleth those things which be not as though they were. The things in the spiritual we can declare, and although it has not manifested itself in the natural world here, we believe in the spiritual, and it will be done in Jesus' name. James 1.17, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in, in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Thank you, Jesus. That's good news. So we he, see here in this story, Joshua 8.3, so Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 of his best warriors and sent them out at night. Now, we see here in verse 2 where the Lord said, set an ambush behind the town. Now, as we look in this whole chapter, we see how it unfolded. But God gave Joshua strategy, how to be victorious. The Bible says that his divine power has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. Isn't that right? God's called you to live godly. He's given, he's given you the tools that you need. He's called you to live drug-free. He's given you the tools that you need. He's called you to live in encouragement and hope and praise. He's given you the tools that you need. He's given you his Holy Spirit. You can live drug-free. You can live without depression or despair. You could live without malice and hate. You could live without fear. You could live without alcohol. You could live without all these things that have become vices, perhaps in your life. You could do it. God gives a strategy. His Holy Spirit will teach us. He gives a strategy through his word. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, to guide my feet and a light for my path. In John 14, 26, but when my Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he'll teach you everything and remind you, of the every, remind you of everything I have told you. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. He'll bring to remembrance the things he's taught you. Yes, he'll convict you. He'll convict us when we need to be convicted, but he'll lead us to the Father. He'll lead us to a place of repentance in every way, he will guide us. God has given us everything, church. Man, God loves you so much. He's given you everything that you need to be victorious in this life. You've been struggling to live in victory. God's given you everything you need. Continue coming to church, brother and sister. Don't stop. Don't stop, man. Your blessing is nearer than you could imagine. Don't stop. Continue to come. Continue to learn of God, and God's going to give you victory. Now, what made all the difference in Joshua's story, I believe, is that he took that first step. He had the courage to move. In Joshua 8, 3, it says, So Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai. All the encouragement, all the instruction of the Lord, it's not going to be activated until you take that step. We're talking about repentance today. We're talking about victory. Until you take that step and say, Yes, Lord, I am the man. Forgive me help me. Perhaps you're discouraged. Until you take that first step and decide, I'm not going to be discouraged anymore. See, all of heaven is behind you. God's behind you. All of heaven was behind Joshua, but had he never set out to attack Ai, there wouldn't have been victory. God's called you to live that victorious life. The first step is accepting Jesus. If you haven't done that this morning, we're going to have an altar call where you have a chance to pray. But believer, 
Take that step. Perhaps you're discouraged, you're defeated, or whatever the situation is. Take that step. All of heaven is there to meet you. James 4.8, the Bible says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Thank you, Jesus. So in Joshua 8, 27 and 28, as I summarize, God gave them victory. As the worship team makes their way up, God gave them victory. They kept the plunder and the spoils. God gave them a powerful victory over that city of Ai. With godly strategy, they defeated the king. God knew what was best for them, and he knew how to give them victory. See, as I conclude this morning, the story ends. Although it started with a tragedy and defeat, it ends with a demonstration of God's grace and power. This morning, we learn that we have to take heed to God's word. We have to take account of our lives and our hearts. We have to have a righteous response when we're convicted, when things are brought in front of us, and God says, hey, this is going on, that is going on. What's going to be our response? Are we going to go on business as usual, or are we going to repent? This is for each and every one of us. And lastly, as a result of that righteous response, victory is promised. When we do it God's way, church, we can rest assured that he's with us, that he'll demonstrate his power in your life. See, AI, these are lessons from AI. And although it started in Joshua's life with defeat, this city became a place of such powerful victory in his life. Started in defeat, but ended in victory. Perhaps you feel defeated or you've gone through some things recently. I'll tell you what, your story is going to end in victory. Why? we're going to have that righteous response. We're going to seek God. He's going to forgive us. He's going to help us. You received that this morning? Thank you, Jesus. God is good in this place. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed.